No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk. Kick on uh, Twitter, and I am here with uh, Peter. I I don't know your last name. I realize. I don't know if you if you spread your last name around, so I can just yeah, call it's, you Peter. Uh, Shamshari. You don't Sham? have to call me by my full name. Peter Shamshari no. Esquire. Um, you do have the Esquire, right? Do you make people add that? I I don't make people add it, but I I am technically. For the next several months, a licensed lawyer uh, until I let that lapse for sure. That's going to be uh, a nice. Are you going to celebrate when that happens? I hadn't thought about it, but I feel like I definitely should. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like my, uh, my my stepdad retired recently and he was an ER doc for like 30 years. And uh, his, his whole thing, he said, you know, when I when I retire, I'm going to keep getting the journals. You know, I'm interested in medicine. I'm interested in health. Like, I'm going to want to keep up with it. And then he said the instant he retired, he was like, I don't care about any of that shit. Like, <laughs> that is out of my life. And I feel like he's he's letting his medical license lapse. And it, it, it feels like a celebration of sorts. I feel like lawyers and doctors have that in common. Yeah, I would think so. And um, I consider myself uh, a bit a bit like an ER doctor. Yeah. Um, it, it it makes sense. The comparison is flawless. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I think you're saving lives out there. Hundred um, percent, and and more so now that you're pivoting to podcasting. Um, I think, in fact, you are saving more lives. Yeah, no, uh, my moral trajectory um, has been phenomenal. Flawless moral trajectory. <laughs> so the, the, I feel I feel like the like the Lionel Hutch school of uh, of thinking is the. Uh, is to say the only way you can move up in the moral calculus from uh, when you're moving up to content creator is coming from lawyer to content creator. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so cool. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give you the Esquire now. I, I never make people call me doctor. Um, the one place that happens is um, on uh, the Phillies podcast I do because uh, it's funny when someone when I'm introduced as Dr. Trevor Strong, so I think my co-host uh, Justin likes to play that up. But um, it is fun. It is fun to to flout our degrees. Um, yeah. But aside from being a lawyer, I mean, you're known you're known for your law work, podcasting on uh, the the, uh, the 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 gone but not forgotten Mike Dick Dicta, uh, mm -hmm. and you are on um, Five Four is your podcast, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I never got into the law podcast because I'm not a lawyer. Is that should I be looking back at the at the archives? Am I missing out? Um, it depends on how much you care about the Supreme Court. I mean, the um, a little. It, I, I'll I'll be honest. Most of our I, I don't know if I should say most, but a big chunk of our demographic is you know long, young lawyers, law students, right? Um, every time non lawyers get into it. Um, I would say that they struggle to get like tangible takeaways out of it. Okay. Um, and, and what I mean by that is every time I talk to my parents who aren't lawyers, they will like relay to me something that we said on the podcast, but just butcher it, just completely fuck it up. And I'm like, maybe this isn't for anyone who's not a lawyer, you know, but well, we do try to make it accessible. I, I, you know, going into it, our whole thing was like, we want to be able to explain cases sure. without, you know, to people who don't have fucking JDs. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> do you do you tell your parents that what they said wouldn't be admissible in a court of law? Do you kind of like? No, I just smile and nod. Oh, I'm okay. Because they've I'm been giving me a lot of legal advice, and I'm a little concerned about this now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real problem. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, I think like having a niche podcast, and this is sort of leading to to your other podcast, which is not so niche. Um, it's funny that way. Like, I I don't think 
in fact, I know no one in my family listens to this podcast. Um, I could say anything about them on here. They just they are they aren't listening. My wife, my wife has had my book in her bedside stand for a year. I think she made it through like half, which is like mm-hmm. pretty. I like I I give I give a lot of credit to her, but like you know, no one really so much cares. So like it it is funny. Like you you sort of put all the stuff out, and even when people listen, they're like, I heard you talking to some guy about uh you know like video games the other day. That sounds interesting. And I was like, well. It's really about like a politics. It's like kind of talk to that guy about politics, not games. But you know, you, you got the gist. I think you, know, you listen to the first fifteen minutes. It's good. Um, How does it feel to have like a podcast that is sort of a more uh, populist hit, if, if that's a better or maybe maybe more accessible is is the word? Because like I've had people. Yeah. It was funny to me realizing that you were the Peter on Books Could Kill. Because my wife really likes your podcast. I really like your podcast, too, for what it's worth. But, like, uh, she was the one who introduced me to it. And we were listening to it. And then um, Michael mentioned your, uh, your your co-host, Michael Hobbs, mentioned your Twitter name. And I was like, oh, my God, I know that Twitter person. Like, this is someone I know. Um, and it it was funny because at that point she had mentioned it to me. And also a buddy of mine um, up in Buffalo, who I've known forever, uh also was te- like will text me sometimes and say like oh you know uh, Peter and Michael like did a really good job of like uh, and he's also he's a an academic an ex academic so he'll often use your last names instead of your first ones which is really funny um, but uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, you know like the amount of people who are listening to your podcast now I would expect is a little bit more of a broad cross section than we're listening to five four yeah that's definitely true it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit weird. It's cool, obviously, sure. um, to have a, a popular show. I'm sort of jealous of my of that podcast on behalf of Five Four, where it's like, <laughs> damn, like we fucking work our asses off on Five to Four and have been doing it for years, and like we, you know, we know it's sort of niche. It's it's popular for a niche podcast. Oh sure, but but to have like um, to just like very quickly surpass it in popularity, I was kind of like, come on, you've. Fucking, uh, you know, our listenership is just a bunch of uh, unsophisticated losers. I do appreciate Uh, how at the beginning of every Books Could Kill you, you emasculate and uh, demean the audience and tell them they should be listening (laughs) to your other show. (laughs) You you losers had a brain. Here's what you'd be listening to. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that sort of tension's always in my head where I'm like... um, you know, I don't like one of my shows more than the other or anything like that. Um, but you do have to deal with the one being more popular and just sort of like, you know, even I, it's obviously more accessible. And sure. it's about things that people have um, a little more background knowledge on on average. And so, you know, the the average person just goes into it a little more uh, prepared. It's also a little less depressing <laughs> as a as a show. <laughs> well, there are some depressing parts. Yeah, which I think it just speaks to how depressing five four can be. But <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, but when you said are you interested in the Supreme Court, part of me is like, well, I guess when I'm like feeling at my happiest and know that I will just like you know decline to above suicidal if I listen to any news about it, then yeah, that's right, interesting. right, right. No, it's like a you know it's a necessarily depressive topic, um, but it. You know, in seriousness, it's been cool to have like a popular show uh, yeah. on this level. It's been fun. Um, I like getting just like half a dozen emails a, a day from absolute lunatic fans who are <laughs> who either have like the weirdest critique of something we said that I've ever heard in my life, or are making an outrageous request. Um, I just we just got one 
that was like, if we could record something that would be part of his proposal to his girlfriend wow. to, to get married. And I told Hobbs about it. I was like, yo, did you see this email? And he was like, I get those all the time for maintenance phase. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Man? I did. I did. Like, and I, I only did this because like we were mutuals at the time. And like, I, I knew uh, my wife really liked her play. I did ask um, uh, Alex Gold, uh, Goldman to like um, uh, record a birthday message for my wife. And he did that. Um, I think a birthday message is sort of, you know, it's sort of cameo with Jason. Yeah, I get proposal that. Proposal is like way proposal too much. Proposal makes me, no, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Maybe maybe I'm being silly and I sh we should just do it. But I was sort of like, damn, that's that seems intense. If you were, if you were really, if you, that guy was really serious about it, he should have sent you um, what his proposal was going to be and then had you and uh, Michael just like tear it apart. <laughs> <laughs> He had like the one proposal theory, like oh, this is like every right. proposal. Yeah, it's a, once again a research, a research heavy critique of his <laughs> proposal. Yeah, he says he loves that. her more than anything. But do you know how many how many things there are in the world? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, that, that's wild. I like I, I will say like the few times I've I've gotten like I, I mean like my my podcast has like a decent listenership, um, and like the few times I've gotten requests or you know like people will make memes about it or whatever. It's like. It is a uniquely good feeling. So, like, I, I can I can totally understand why why that would feel good for you. Um, let me ask you this. So, like, so this podcast is about video games, uh, tangentially more directly every so often, whatever. I mostly just like talking to interesting people. But like, um, you said you're a gamer as well, or or have gamed in the past, or or game occasionally, yeah. game adjacent. Um, you do two podcasts that are kind of like, I, I mean. Five four is heavier, but both sort of have like heavy research. Like I think one of the things yeah. that I've noticed about your work, and like I wouldn't say this about every podcast, like explicitly would not. Um, you're not doing the Wikipedia reading thing. Like this is like you're reading full books, full articles. You're doing like excerpts. You're sending like you know highlighted quotes back and forth. It's like it's a serious level of critique. Um, do you do you go to video games as a way to just like unplug? Is that is that like a way to get brainless? For the most part, yes. Mm. Um, I used to be, when I was young, I was like a very serious like PC gamer, um, <laughs> which is the result of my mom watching me with uh, an NES when I was like seven and being like, I'm never going to buy him a console again because this is just ADHD manifest. Oh, I was just she's, plugged she, in. But she made the worst choice in getting you a PC that was powerful enough to play video games. She didn't, she didn't realize that she was losing thousands of dollars uh, when she made that decision, but she was. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, can't I, stand I, how this how this makes my child have no attention. I'll give him a PC and see how he does with StarCraft. <laughs> Look, you need a computer in the home, right? So, um, you know, I was I was leveraging that uh, to play just an absolute shitload of Age of Empires um, and Warcraft 2 and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Um, I was... I was um, yeah, I was a very big PC gamer, like really through college and then um, was pretty heavily gaming up until I got my law degree. And since then, I feel like I've become a bit of a gaming himbo. Like I just <laughs> I, I'm playing a lot of the triple A's, yeah, you know, I'm sure. um, like playing Madden every now and then I'll um, dive into something that I think is like a little more interesting or indie. Um, but what I no longer do is I'm no longer plugged into like gaming media. Mm. And so it's a good thing. I don't, I don't keep up 
with like what's new and cool and interesting uh, so much, which, you know, which means that I tend to buy the big name games that everyone knows about and everyone knows are good or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, 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 it's become a way to sort of shut off my brain. It's interesting because I don't game less, yeah. but I've, I dedicate over <laughs> like less mind space to gaming. Well, no, you know, that's, people, that's are, people are like, thing. oh, you're busy. You have like a real job, so you must game less. I'm like, no, but I, <laughs> but I do read less about games, which means that I'm, you know, doing, I'm not playing 20 different games. Instead, I'm playing 300 hours of Overwatch or whatever. Sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, there, that's like, that's a real thing too. I think where like, you know, you, you know, I asked that and it sounds like, it sounds like it could be judge judgment heavy, but like it, it honestly is like, I feel like even within my own gaming, like there's a, there's a part of me that can play something and just turn my brain off and enjoy it. And then there's a part of me that has to play it and be like, okay, like, what do I think about this? Am I going to cover it? Am I going to talk about it? And obviously that's like unique to, to, to me or people who work in the, in the field or whatever. But like, it's also just true of any media. Like, you know, I can watch a murder mystery and takes up less space in my mind than watching, I don't know, like uh, succession or something. Right. right. Um, so like that, that, that sense of like relaxation, I feel like, so one of the, I mean, you probably encountered this when you were, when you were reading gaming media, you know, one of the big, uh, I don't know, battlegrounds of gaming media is this, this idea between like art and leisure, right? This, 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 this desire to save gaming from its role as leisure. Um, and I guess like, so I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. I think that's like a really weird false dichotomy. Um, I'm curious where you're at with it. Like, do you think that you are, uh, somehow demeaning a, a, an important genre by just playing the triple A's or are you having as much fun and, uh, enrichment as you were when you were sort of like, you know, plugged in and going Celeste mode. I'm definitely having as much fun. Oh, there you go. Um, I, you know, it, it's interesting. I, when I, like when I was a teenager, I had like a group of friends and we would discuss gaming. Mm. And so it was this more like comprehensive experience, right? Where like I would play games and then I would talk about games. And when mm. I was playing games, I would, thinking more about the games because I was going to be talking about the games Um, and even like without that experience it's still fun I'm still enjoying it Um, it's definitely like in and of itself in a vacuum when I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2 I think it's the same basic experience as when I was you know playing a bunch of indie games Mm -hmm. or or whatever Um, but I do think it's sort of changed I I do think that like not thinking about it so much has probably made me a dumber consumer, uh, you know. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I, sure. <laughs> I, but but I don't see it, you know. I don't. It doesn't really come through on my end. I think. Um, yeah. I'm I'm enjoying it as much as I ever did. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's sort of like it puts me in mind of two things. The one being sort of the the tension that you've expressed on 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 your show about like the. Uh, because for anyone who doesn't listen, uh, books you, if books you kill is basically this idea you cover popular or sometimes less popular, but damaging books. Uh, I would say I don't think the end of history was ever would ever be described as popular. Um, maybe in sales, it's conceptually but, popular, yeah, conceptually. There you go. Uh, it's conceptually reassuring, if nothing else. Um, but uh, you like you read these books, and I, I know you've said a number of times, and I I, I think it's 
predominantly you who said it, that like it's ruining reading for you. Um, which like as a PhD, like reading, you know, for my dissertation and stuff like that, I completely understand. I don't read as much anymore because I read too much and I, you know, I took my glasses off. I've seen enough as, uh, as, as Thomas would say, but, um, you know, the, the, I, I, it strikes me like that where it's like, you know, you, you do so much of something that it becomes this critical exercise as opposed to something enjoyable. And there's like this, this odd balance there, right. With gaming, since it's never considered like, it's always considered an extra activity. Right. Um, and the other part of like the, it puts me in mind of that, but it also puts me in mind of the way that, um, recent gaming discourse is a lot about the legitimacy of gaming writing and where games, journalism and games writing, actually holds its legitimacy, whether it's with like publications like, um, uh, um, shoot, now I'm forgetting. Oh, sorry. Every, sorry. Everyone on this thing, uh, uh, um, aftermath, uh, the sort of new thing that came from the Kotaku people, or if it's with like sort of academics or if it's with more popular press. Um, I guess I just wonder, like when we're talking about being serious about games, right. Or like talking with people about games, and tell me if this is too abstract, but like, is it actually a matter of talking with people about games or are we always just talking with people about talking about games? If that makes sense. Like, is it, is it more about the games themselves or is it more about the discourse when we're having these conversations um, in your experience? I feel like it's about the discourse, although I don't know, mate, there's so much wrapped up in like, I, like just even the mention of like Kotaku brings up like, like the culture wars and like private equity firms and gaming in one conversation. Oh right? yeah, no. Every time, every time I see a zombie Deadspin post, it takes all that I can do to be like to not like go into their uh, into their things and sound like someone who was like in the miners' strikes in 1980 or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the it, there. There is something sort of pure now about the way that I feel like I. Uh, enjoy games where um i'm i'm very in the moment with it mm -hmm. and um what's what's super fun is when you don't play as many games um certain like tech like the tech and the sort of like storytelling etc will somehow will sometimes just catch you by surprise sure. like you weren't ready for this at all yeah um i mean maybe this is true of everyone but like when i played the first last of us i was i was like Oh shit! Games are like this now. Is this what is happening in games? Well, I think that's uh, maybe a, yeah. I th no, I think you're right. Like this is something that I've like I've I've sort of made light of, and other people in, in media have made light of. Like oh, the Last of Us isn't even that smart, and like oh, you know this guy like Druckmann's a big Zionist or whatever. But like I feel like the thing is, if you've been playing, if you play games all the time, you've seen this in places. But like yeah, for people who aren't just like immersed in the discourse, that is surprising. It's absolutely a place where people can sort of see like, oh my God, like this is a different, this is a, this is a moment where things changed for me. It's like, it's sort of like, um, if you think in film, like people being like, oh, you know, my world changed when I watched, uh, you know, Scarface and someone's like, well, you clearly didn't watch Vanishing Point because that was more important. And it's <laughs> right, like, well, right, okay, right. fine. But more people saw the latter. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely sort of just like checking in on at these like nodal points mm. in the, uh, in the sort of like broader narrative of where games are going mm -hmm. and every every single time i'm like oh cool <laughs> in, in a way that like i might not be if i was really really tuned in a little bit like i'm thinking of like 
Yeah, when I first played Overwatch, and I played it, like, basically at launch, mm-hmm. um, it was obviously sort of, I could tell that it was not, like, the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. But I just remember thinking, like, I haven't played a game that felt this polished, um, that was multiplayer-centric, this fun, this well-balanced, and it just felt very fresh. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't. But that was my experience of Overwatch. Um just like it was sort of my experience of The Last of Us, just like when I played um, like Red Dead 2, it felt sure. like an almost completely novel experience to me. Um, the only thing that hasn't felt novel in the last couple years of my gaming is when I, um, every five years, get a new Madden, and it's the same exact game that I've been playing since 1997. So like, I'm, I'm very tempted to ask you about politics and gaming, and I think I will, but first I have to ask you, uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not going to get in a fight with you about football. Um, that's my... That's my promise uh i like to think of this as the next new heights podcast um just as popular um the exact same team (laughs) team loyalty so uh do you just play madden as the chiefs is it is a chief centric experience for you no 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 not at all um i will when i get a new madden Mm-hmm. Which again is like literally every half decade. Well, you don't I will need play them every year. Buying them every no, year is no. like just an extra. I, when people are like, "Oh, this Madden's no different than the last one. It's the same problems." Why are you torturing like, right, yourself so much? What are you doing? You're a full-on sucker. Is what's <laughs> happening. Um, the no the I, my genuine experience. I bought Madden 2023, and I said five years, but I actually think it had been like a decade since I had really played it, mm-hmm. and I was jolted by how shitty and similar to like Madden 07 it was. I, I was like shocked. I was like, yep. the graphics suck, the animation suck. I was just baffled. But now, you, now, like, now there's a now there's a gotcha mechanic, so you can spend more money on it, which I mean, it's a right. huge improvement. That's right. Um, no, I usually play one season as the Chiefs, and then I'll branch off into other teams. Okay. Um, and I do not play online because I fully suck. I'll play. <laughs> I'll play with my friends. Like you know, if, if someone else kind of sucks and uh, wants to play, I'll do it. But I I will not play online. I'm awful at Madden. I love football, but it's 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 like I feel like whenever anyone explains a concept in football to me. I like people watch, you know, my family will watch football with me. And like my wife is like, actually, you're really fun to watch football with because you're knowledgeable. Uh, you'll you'll tell me like what's going on or explain it. And like it, that's more so true with baseball. With football, I just like I know as much as like, you know, any random person who watches too much football. The instant it becomes like a, a thing where I have to pick up pick plays and like, OK, we're doing four verts and QB spy. Those are all the plays. We're, we're either going to get touchdown <laughs> or an interception. We're going to every time like I feel like every time I played as the Eagles in a Madden game, like Lido Shepard got a lot of got a lot of uh, exercise. Um yeah, I used to. It took me a while to get slants down, mm. um, and um, I think I, I was probably in my twenties before I knew the difference between like, you know, press coverage and anything else, and could actually like read that in Madden. Um, being able to read some of these things has not made me better. Not at all. <laughs> um, not not even a little bit. I don't have like a strategy. I don't understand when people talk about setting up the de- like the defense with your offense. I don't even. I'm like, what are you talking about? Every play is in, exists in a vacuum. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's not um, chess. It's 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 not even checkers. It's just two things ramming against each other every time. Yeah. Um, no, I have no strategy. I'm not good. Uh, but I do. I do enjoy it. Okay. Um, I and I admit I enjoy it more when the Chiefs are are good. 
when I can, oh, that, that is not a bad admission. I completely yeah. understand. I wouldn't like. I, I don't think anyone's like champing at the bit to play with the. Um, Oh, oh, what was his name? This is just because I'm bad with names. I can like picture his face. The guy who played for the, who had that like magical season with the Pats and then went over to the Chiefs. Um, oh, Castle. Yeah, Matt Castle. Yeah, no one's no one's champing at the bit to play with the Matt Castle Chiefs or the Larry Johnson yeah. Chiefs or whatever. Right. <laughs> like when, uh, when your when your team is art, like you, you're the only person you can remember on it is the running back and the tight end. It's it's rough sledding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Wait, do I get so you're you're a lifetime lifelong Eagles fan? Yep, 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 yep. Okay, brought up. So this is, I mean, I it's very interesting because I so I'm from the Philly area. Mm -hmm. Um, I but I am a lifelong Chiefs fan just because I had relatives out there. Sure, it's whoever your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my dad's an immigrant, so he like he. He followed the Jets very loosely because he immigrated to New York and he picked up New York teams. (laughs) Yeah, um, some part of my. Like he he followed the Knicks and I follow I, I picked them up, um, maybe because the Jets sucked when I was a little child. But like some part of me was like, no, that's not my team. I'm <laughs> I'm going with the with the Chiefs. And um, and then it was like, you know, 25 years of pure suffering and uh, and now and now five years of of uh, bliss. It's been great. But it's it's weird because I never like the Chiefs are the farthest thing from the Eagles rivals um, historically. Right. Yeah. Um, only only within the past couple of years has it has it been that way. And like honestly, I will say like as annoying as uh, Chiefs fans can be, it is so much less annoying than like. I mean, obviously Cowboys fans, but Vikings fans have been brutal to deal mm-hmm. with. Just, just you know, all people just saying, "How dare you not be the most polite person you can be?" Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, just I, kill me and now. And I will say, in I mean, I hate every fan base. But you um, should. In, I mean, that's that's de- important. Yeah. In defense of the Chiefs fan base, I will say that my experience following a team that has been very good for several years, which I hadn't really had before as a sports fan, mm-hmm. is that it does turn you into a bit of a whiny little bitch. Um, oh yeah, because because there's no there's no joy anymore. There's only relief when you win because you were expected to win, uh, <laughs> and disappointment and frustration when you don't. So the only emotions you're ever really feeling are negative, um, and that leads to a world where you end up becoming really defensive. Like everyone's yelling at you because everyone wants to beat you and everyone wants to like. Imagine that you they are better than you and you're you know, the refs are helping you and shit like that um, So you end up being like really defensive you end up you, you no longer feel joy. Yeah, oh, of course um, not. It just turns you into a horrible little monster and um, <laughs> You know you throw in the tomahawk chop and I guess we're not the most lovable f- fan base anymore No, but. I mean I get it and it's like every time every time I see It's like I, I definitely like I remember the um the Chiefs being bad enough that it was like it was nice to see them win. And like I I still I don't find them like hateable, except that I think there's there's a bit of a Seahawks in their dynasty kind of thing where it's like, oh, these guys are sort of turning into a Patriots light to me. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not something I like. Um Yeah. But like, you know, other than like when they're playing the Eagles directly. And I guess, like, you know, since they won the Super Bowl last year, I usually root against the repeat champs. Um, other than that, I mean, it's like it's they're fine. They're, they they remind me of the Rams that way. Like when the Rams are successful, um, I'm just yeah. I just think back. I'm like, well, I remember the like the the Steve Spagnolo Rams, like just like misery incarnate. Um, 
So yeah, I like I I feel like every time I see one of my teams do something that's going to make people like them less, like when the Phillies mimicked the tomahawk chop in the in the playoffs and people were like Haha, epic ode on the braves and i was like well, maybe just don't do that like maybe <laughs> maybe maybe don't embarrass me like that you phillies um you know it's always upsetting like i i absolutely get that um i mean do you do you like playing um is madden to you like uh, a bit of a relief because it's just kind of the sport and not any of the fan experience yeah, maybe. I, I I mean, if I'm being honest, what part of what I like about like Madden and 2K, although I tried playing 2K recently and um, it's just like pummeled with microtransactions. Oh, it's basically fucking sucks. unplayable. Seriously? Um, oh. The on-court the on experience is still, I mean, it's basically what it was a decade ago, but that's still pretty good. Um, they, even like between games, they force you into microtransactions that are like they you have your little like my player and they have them like <laughs> running around the locker room. And it's like, you know, just like faux this fucking space where there's like little microtransactions that you you can walk towards. It's like the little, it's like Maybe. the airport in um, it's like the airport in Minority Report. If you remember that movie, the the, the Tom Cruise, where yeah, he's sure, walking sure. along and the, the ads just like beer for you like steve no, or whatever that's his name what is. it's yeah. like it's like you want some do you, do you want your player to have more energy for the next game uh <laughs> spend 50 cents on gatorade fake gatorade for your player and you have to like maneuver around that to walk down the tunnel and out onto the court to start a game it it's it's unbelievable madden on the other hand i play fucking franchise mode i don't mess with anything else you're not ultimate and team no, I don't do that shit. Um, I don't even know <laughs> what with, it is. I see the it. same the same uh, like uh, like energy as like I don't do crack. I'm never touching that stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. that hard shit's not for me. No, I yeah I can uh, you know they they push it at you and I'm like whatever this is I don't want to part. <laughs> Just of it, say you no. Know? Yeah, um, and you know I, I I can play a game for 40 minutes and then exit and um, it's a narrative arc uh, and that's great for my little ADHD brain uh, as a break from work. Well, it's that's like, probably why I play a lot of Madden. Yeah, I mean people have described like I've had people on the show. I forget who it was. Well, I've had a couple of people on the show. Some are dads and some aren't. But like I remember um, Matt Brady. I don't know if you know him um he's at mr grace mugabe right now which is a good at um matt's very funny but uh he came on a long time ago when the show was new and was talking about how he liked playing fallout 4 for like not because it was like a great game but because just because of the base building and like i've had a number of people come on and basically say like yeah i dad game now like i just go on and i play a couple of discrete missions and it gives me a sense of like completion and then I, i go away like it's not you know, a 40 hour narrative that you have to sit there and like grind on and stuff like that. It's not, you know, Final Fantasy three or whatever. Um, And I get that. It is interesting. Like I that that discreet quality of it, it strikes me. And like, I I don't want to I would never, you know, try to be like a these kids these days kind of guy. But like watching my kids game um, on stuff on their phones and or not on their phones. They don't have phones. Thank God. Uh, Not yet anyway, (laughs) but uh, on their iPads or whatever. It's like it's constantly ads and microtransactions and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And they seem to just be fine with that. Like, that seems to be like a totally OK thing. I wonder, like, I'm interested in what you think from like a cultural and a 
legal perspective, because this is something that like GDPR has been like pushing really hard against. Um, no, GDPR. Yeah, the the European um, uh, uh, Privacy Act. Um, and then, like you know, Sweden is especially interested in pushing back on this. China recently took some steps and then immediately walked it back because their gotcha industry is like so profitable. Um, like, I wonder, like from a cultural and from a legal standpoint, like this 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 emphasis on the the kind of like microtransaction legalized gambling stuff. I mean, is this to you as slippery and sort of like morally weird a slope as it sounds, or am I being alarmist? Oh, for sure. I mean, this is one of those things where, like, I think everyone is sort of alarmist about this, um, <laughs> okay. and no one really knows how to stop it. Um, <laughs> the momentum is so massive. It's like, you know, you can see that gambling and the NFL are a dangerous combination, but until FanDuel goes bankrupt, <laughs> there's no plan to get to escape, right? It's a death spiral. I absolutely love um, to get overs and unders before I watch my team's game. Like, I love to yeah, get no, a, right. that's, a good, that's a good what parlay. I, yeah, it, man, the the sort of like FanDuel, DraftKings um, lines on your screen in the pregame, it's so bleak. It's so bleak, man. It's rough. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, look, nothing is more important than the preeminence of contract. Uh, well, except the, international trade. Well, that right. <laughs> let's let's I not mean, get crazy. There's, but there's a very, there's a very like, you know, Western individualistic sort of um, mindset when when it comes to regulating this stuff. But a huge amount of our economy runs on technically legal, but very weird little agreements between consumers and large companies. Mm-hmm. Um, for, like. The, the weirdest version of this has always been, in my mind, like click wrap agreements and things along, of that uh, along those lines, which are like the I agree to these terms that like no one is reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's data showing no one reads that. Right. Um, sure. So how can it the, the idea that it can even be a contract? It, it feels suspicious. Um, microtransactions feel like almost an extension of that. Like interesting. It, it almost doesn't meet the criteria of contract law in many regards. It's like built around someone making a, a an impulsive little decision that like they know in their heart and brain they shouldn't make. But in that in that in that one moment you've got them and you you know they they press purchase. And that's that's interesting. You know, I think that, that you know that's almost like a gray area. You also have the transactions that are basically designed for little children to spend their parents money mm-hmm. yeah two thousand uh, dollars on getting the bucks alternate uniforms right, or whatever which yeah just feels like it i mean uh, it just feels like it, it, it it's so plainly <laughs> illegal that i don't even like know how to address it really it's just like well this is obviously some sort of crime right why, why yeah i think like i think the one thing that it's weird that hasn't been agreed on because like, you're right. Like, why have how, why hasn't there been like a uh, an age limit attached to this stuff? Um, and I, I guess because like it's extremely profitable not to have one uh, is the answer. Uh, but yeah, any, any crackdown right. would be would introduce a ton of friction into these transactions, yeah. and the whole point is that they're frictionless. Well, yeah, and I mean, like even even the sort of like the Chinese government was pushing back and saying like, no, you can't do a lot of like a lot of the the, the sort of gotcha mechanics that work. You know, most effectively for profit are like bonuses, like oh, buy like, you know, 
a hundred crystals and get, you know, 70 crystals free. Um, and China was like, no, you can't do that anymore. And then immediately walked it back. It was like, actually, you know what? Let, let the, let the immortal uh, logic of crystals and bonus crystals reign forever. Um, That's who yeah. really runs uh, the Chinese communist party is the crystal people. <laughs> I mean, listen, they're, they're extremely powerful. Uh, crystal lobby has a lot of pull, uh, they're sneaking in via the hippies. It's not good. <laughs> it's it's their own version of fiat currency, right? The, the crystals. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because uh, they could give or take away crystals by fiat. Um, like, I, I, the Mihoyo government is absolutely the government I fly my flag to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it is it is weird. Like I, I agree with you. I, I hadn't thought about it as contract law before, and I mean, it strikes me as interesting. I. The one legal question I have, I'll, I'll, I'll pause, I'll make this observation, then I'll ask you this legal question. Um, it strikes me a lot like impulse buys in the supermarket, which in many ways are sort of a an agreed upon cruelty in the contract of the supermarket, which is, we'll provide you items, you know where they are, you'll go to those places, you'll put those items in your cart, you'll come to the checkout and pay for them. And the impulse buy section is like, here's stuff we know you don't want. Um, right. But in the moment, you or your child or someone else might ask for it. And since it's a dollar, you'll buy it, um, which is not exactly the same as what I agreed to sort of like tacitly when I entered the supermarket. Um, obviously, that's an extremely Western way of thinking. There's no contract when I entered the supermarket. They could sell me whatever they want. Um, I'm curious, though, with the longer ones like those, those I agree uh, with this statement or like, you know, scroll to the bottom and, you know, I just scroll, 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 scroll. And then I hit mm -hmm. it. Is there a legal requirement or expectation that you provide a contract that is uh, reasonable enough that would be, people would expect to read it? Like, could I could I introduce a microtransaction and say, like, oh, you know, like you'll have to read the contract and agree to all of this and hide, you know, terrible terms in my in my in my contract? Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to be paying five dollars a month forever. Uh, we, you know, we we maintain your biometrics or whatever. And you know, put it in an eighty-page contract. Is that still legal just because I've given the contract out, or is there an expectation that people should be able to read it? So, the last I checked on this law was probably like seven or eight years ago. Okay. So that's sort of the where I'm working from. I don't think there have been any huge shifts. Um, the The basic framework continues to be that the onus is on the consumer mm. to if they're saying they. Agree to read it, right? Yeah. You're the one clicking agree. The the burden is on you. Um, there are sort of like longstanding protections against trying to slip shit into contracts. Um, it's based it. It's very situational. It'll depend on like different industries and things like that. But there are like outer bounds where you can basically claim. This was snuck in, right? Um, now, you are, like, on your back foot when you sign a contract, and you're like, well, I didn't read it. Like, you know, you're you're in a tough spot legally almost across the board. But if, like, if, for example, there, is, there have been many situations where people just try to slip something very nefarious into a contract on, like, the last round of revisions where no one would expect it. Um, and there have been situations where courts have said, this was basically done with the intent to deceive, and therefore it's not valid. Interesting. Um, but that's, yeah, that's 
a tough burden, uh, and generally speaking, they can slip a huge amount of shit into those contracts, and it's not a problem for them. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, and, and that's what I would have expected, because it's, you know, it's all caveat emptor, but, like, wow. I mean, you can ima- you can see why these scams are so popular, because it seems extremely easy to pull them off. Um, like, it reminds me of hearing about, like, the scams where they, you know, they trick old people into giving, you know, sending $5,000 via wire transfer, and, you know, they're just calling from the, you know, to Barbados or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I remember hearing a podcast about, like, someone trying to shut one down from inside, and, like, the authorities were like, well, I don't know what I could do about it. And I was like, man... I would never do this, but a part of me is thinking like that'd be such an easy way to make a ton of money. <laughs> and, like I can't imagine, I can't imagine people aren't looking at these these like games where like people have to watch it, like my kids have to watch an ad in order to continue doing their like relaxing sticker game, and not and like people aren't thinking like I could make a ton of money off of this, and like the government essentially has tacit approval on it. Yeah, I mean. I this does feel like more of a cultural problem than a legal problem. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the trying to regulate this stuff is so difficult. Um, you can't, you know, you can't just be like, all right, there's no ads in games that kids might be playing, right? <laughs> like, you can't, you can't do shit like that very effectively. Even if you do, you, they'll just be backdoors. Can it you really? I mean, like, I, I, so like, didn't we, didn't we make it so that the kids' magazines and stuff didn't have cigarette ads? Because it. it yeah, I, but like. I, I guess what I'm saying is that you can't um, you can't sort of like remove the economic calculus from uh, from it entirely. Yeah, right? fair enough. Um, people need because you know you need you need to have that economic incentive in there. You can say no cigarettes and booze in boys' life or whatever, <laughs> but That's when it went downhill. <laughs> but yeah, you you can't be like uh, and also uh, no ads at all, right? right? And all of a sudden, boys boys' life is is upset. Yeah, is out of yeah, right? Because okay, and especially within yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially within a subscription and um, you know essentially material immaterial um, economy, we don't own. I mean, especially games, right? Um, you own the idea of a game that's been downloaded onto your system. <laughs> Yeah, more so than a CD. Um, that makes a lot of sense because all of a sudden right. you're not buying a thing; you're buying a, a series of promises, and the series of promises could be, "I promise to accept some ads in here too." Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is the sort of I I haven't really followed this on the gaming side. I've been following it a little bit more on the um, movie side, oh. but it does seem like gaming is just moving into you don't own the game right you just own the license 100 um, i mean you can get yeah I, I, like i've actually started to become a physical media grump with with this like watching it happen yeah my buddy mark normandon who's a, a great dude um and a smart guy about the games like is like way more of a grump about this than i am but like the last few games i bought that have been like serious games and like that i can buy i bought them physical if i can um mm-hmm. but i mean like it's it's if anything even more pernicious than within Movies, because video games have always been digital on some level, right? Like indie games, particularly. Um, you don't have enough money to set, you know, put out a release of like a physical product. 
at a certain point, sometime in the early 2000s or late 90s, all of a sudden you can just put it on the internet, download it, yeah. and then all of a sudden your game gets out to a lot of people, and that's a good thing. Um, it's just a piggybacked on that has been like you know the the dark eye of Sauron uh, <laughs> spotting it and saying like yeah, we can make some money off this. Right. Yeah. It it also it does feel inevitable though. Mm-hmm. That, like as soon yeah. as there wasn't something that you could hold. The, the promise of anything at all sort of fades a little yeah. bit, right? No, absolutely. I think I think that's frustrating to me on some level, and I, I like I'm frustrated with everyone who is frustrated. But you're totally correct. It's inevitable in that like at some point people are going to stop wanting to do the streaming economy like we have it. I'm sure because people are already sort of getting pissed off at it and going back to pirating. But yeah. like that's going to have to reach a much more critical mass for anything to change. And the thing that'll change is not. I think um, all of a sudden everything's going to be on like Blu-rays you buy again. Right, right. I don't know though. I did. I did just have to watch a playoff game on fucking Peacock. Yeah. Did you uh, have to? It, did you have to download Peacock for that game? No. Uh, um, thankfully, uh, very thankfully, I have um, I have married someone who insists on subscribing to every streaming service. This is a big part of my life. Um, hmm. It's. it's um, probably my single largest expense outside of rent is uh, just subscribing to every fucking bullshit streaming service that no one could possibly need uh, just in case. You know, I mean, I, I've got to be the only person who's just, who's got like Showtime. Like who, it's like, How else are um, you going to watch that, uh, that show with um, Natalie Lyon or, or, or whatever? Like you're not going to be able to watch any of it if you don't have Showtime streaming. I've tried to negotiate like, well, what if we did like half the year these services, half the year the other? Um, I'm not even sure that I can manage that, but I'm look. You're, you're this, is, this is a roundabout a, way a of saying, yeah, I got sports. I've schedule. got Peacock. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got Peacock. Um, so per, it wasn't really upsetting for me personally. It just felt like an insult where I was like, I, I'm so, I have to get onto what is basically a streaming service dedicated to the office. Mm-hmm. To watch the Chiefs, and I can't do it anywhere else. Um, I have found myself pirating like a little bit more oh, yeah. um, when it comes to sports streams in the past couple of years. Um, doing the occasional torrent of uh, a film, and that was you know that was something that six or seven years ago I wasn't doing at all. Yeah, it kind of it fell out of it fell out of my ro- rotation a long time ago as well, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, now it's kind of nice. Like we got. Uh, and I, I, I do have I do have a pivot from this, so we, don't, don't worry, audience. We won't. Peter and I won't just talk about which streaming sites we're members of. Um, although that would be great, great radio. Um, no, I mean we got we got YouTube TV for the NFL season because we don't have cable, yeah. and it was just like one of those things where it's like, okay, great, this for football and baseball season, I'll you know it's fine. We'll, I'll just do this, um, and it was nice because all of a sudden I wasn't on. Um, like streaming sites, but I I did have a moment where I have like a go to pirating site that I that I go to for streams, uh, NFL streams, and um, like like YouTube TV. I think it might have even no, it was the Commanders game, and it just it was not working. It was a, it was one of the Commanders mm-hmm. games, and I was trying to watch it over at a friend's house with like my wife and her friend and her husband, who's my friend, and like you know the kids were there. It was, it was like perfect time to put on the game, and. I could not like YouTube TV wasn't working or whatever. So I decided to load up the illegal stream. And of course, the first thing that shows up on their giant TV is just like very beautiful uh, nude woman. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just 
immediately have to close that, immediately have to close eight ads. And I, I will say, there's a nice convenience to not have to do that. Um, however, yeah. uh, that convenience erodes over time. And, and I think you're absolutely right. There's a balance between the the level of like, well, I don't have to torrent this and I don't have to download it. I'll just do the streaming thing. I accept that it's probably a slippery slope and it's not ideal, but fine to this is unacceptable now. I don't care about having, you know, Paramount Plus and Peacock Plus. Right. I mean, the the real issue, we're going to get way, way too far afield here, but the real issue no, is that good. the economics of streaming don't actually make any fucking sense. Well, that's true, too. Um, and that's why I think people don't really understand what's happening, but... You know, Netflix is jacking up their prices, for example, and people are like, well, then I'm going to unsubscribe. I think what people don't entirely understand is that that's probably what Netflix wants you to do because they want you to watch the ad tier, which is what makes actual economic sense for them. And to the extent that any streaming services have not introduced an ad tier and jacked up the prices of their subscription tiers, uh, that is just a matter of time Mm -hmm. for the most part. No, absolutely. Um, And, you know, we're just sort of walking towards a world where, you know, the jokes about how this has all become cable again become just like 100 percent dead on. And not only are there 25 different channels, but they all have ads. Yeah. Uh, And And more ads than you had on cable. Right. And you can't switch between them to avoid the ads. Right. Right. No changing the fucking channel. Yeah, no. You're just we're just sitting there watching the fucking ad. It's like, yeah, it's, it's uh, funny. It's like awful. you see the it, this is something that's funny that's happening in games. Like I talked to um, this great game that came out. Um, me and um, I, uh, my my co-host Olivia uh, talked to these folks who did a game called Norco. which was like a great game. Really cool. Really cool indie game. Um, and they I, I forget if they were on Epic or like I like I like you know, an Epic thing, or if they were on game, uh, Xbox games, uh, like the, the game pass, I think it was game pass mm-hmm. and it was great. Like it, it totally, you know, was absolutely huge for them. But I asked them, I was like, is this like, <clears throat> how's this money wise? Like, are you getting paid? And they were like, yeah, actually like game pass pays you a ton of money to be on game pass. Like not, you know, not a ton, but like a lot where like it basically makes it more than profitable to do that uh, for for both the exposure and the actual paycheck. And I feel like that feels like streaming eight years ago where like the, they were giving out money, they were spending money. Like you, you could get a paycheck from getting a streaming show and now that has dried up. And it's sort of like, it's interesting watching it on the delay and wondering how that's going to change over time. Right. And I mean, I don't know, even, the amount of money that flows around in, in those circles makes it a little bit weird because, like, I, I, the NFL is a great example. Mm-hmm. If they just had a package that was like, you can watch it, like, buy this and watch every game, no restrictions, no blackouts, nothing, you could charge a shitload. You could charge one thousand right? dollars a year. I, on the, on the I can't end. tell you I wouldn't pay that. I can't tell you I wouldn't pay a thousand dollars. I shouldn't. I can tell you that, but I, um, I'm with you. I might do it. <laughs> it's it's, it's and, in the back of my mind that I'd do it. And you're sort of like, well, that's it's crazy that they don't until you find out that Peacock paid $110 million for one playoff game. Oh, my God. Wasn't well, even like, a good game. No. Well, it depends, <laughs> it depends, it depends on who you're playing. For anyone who's not I a was Chiefs fan, yeah, I, I, certainly the Dolphins fan, they were having less fun. Chiefs fans were having more fun. The median fan was like, this is a route and I don't like it. <laughs> the median fan 
didn't even know what was going on. They were there for Taylor Swift, right? And they were enjoying themselves too. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the beauty of the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you, you don't like Kansas football? Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll cut to Taylor like a in a carnival second. Carnival Barker, <laughs> snake oil salesman. <laughs> you like football? No, that's okay. <laughs> we got girls, girls, famous ones. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna send you this. I'm gonna send you this this um, tweet. Maybe you've seen this, but I I, I won't. Oh, hold on. You, you should. Um, I don't have Twitter on this on my podcast and computer. Oh, I'm just um, gonna. I, I have the link. I was gonna send it to oh, you in, oh, chat. in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was what I was gonna ask for anyway. So. Can, can you open a link from X.com in chat? Um, Probably X.com, formerly Twitter. Um, this is this is uh, one of the. Uh, this is old at this point, but it, it mm-hmm. is it is relevant because Games Done Quick is coming up, which is a fun little speedrunning conference. And I feel that this is a moment I could ask you about all of the ways that uh, discourse around academics versus games journalism, and blah 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 blah. It's like a it's a bigger episode, and I, I enjoyed talking to you and chatting with you more than than going into the weeds on that because it would just upset people. Um, this will not upset people, and it also has a lot to do with uh, what you do in your other day job, uh, one of your two day jobs. And uh, I'm curious what you think of it. So I'd like you to read out the tweets in, yeah. that are uh, 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 capped here. This is a, a tweet from uh, Wild Geeters at Steinkobe, but not from them. It's uh, it's they've screen capped someone named at Bronze Swords, so you can kind of understand mm. where they're coming from uh, yeah. already. Right off the bat, it's a return guy. All right. I was thinking about why so many in the radical left participate in speed running. The reason is the left's lack of work ethic. Go fast rather than do it right. And in a Petersonian sense, to elevate alternative sexual archetypes in the marketplace. Parentheses, fastest Mario. Next tweet, although this is like the fifth. Yeah, the fifth out of 14. We skipped to later in the thread. Fortunately, we aren't reading all 15 tweets. I think that's nice. The answer is quite obvious if you think about it. The goal is the illusion of speed and the desire, parentheses, subconscious, to promote radical leftist, borderline communist ideals of how easy work is. Everyone always says that speed runs look easy. That is part of the aesthetic. They are aiming to make a new sexual archetype based upon speed rather than doing things right and refuse ownership of what few innovations they can provide to their own scene, denying creativity within their very own sexual archetype. This is necessarily leftist. So, um, <laughs> first off, what do you make of this? Is this, is this, this is, uh, like, uh, facially correct, right? It's hard to find points of disagreement. Um, <laughs> I, I obviously agree that leftists are um, trying to re- create a new fastest Mario sexual archetype. We're all trying to become that, fastest Mario. That's pretty by the book angles, um, if I recall. <laughs> now, I'm not entirely sure what the rest of this means. Um, the sexual archetype stuff, though, that's spot on. When he says Petersonian, is he talking Jordan. about Jordan? Yeah, Peterson? Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we using Petersonian for a dude that has had no like original? Didn't he just like sort of restate Jungian principles? Uh, or yes. Maybe, no, I, I mean, I'm getting. I'm, I was going to say this was in 2021, but in 2021, he was absolutely still restating Jungian principles. He has had zero good ideas. Yeah. Um, now, I think this is cool. I think that it's cool <laughs> when people 
find this like they'll just identify some something find the thinnest connection to whatever they were actually thinking about and then try to map it out you know <laughs> so he's like man i want to do speed running but all these streamers are leftists and then like 10 minutes later he's talking about sexual archetypes and the fa fastest mario you know he he's just he's in his in his mind palace just trying to connect different things picking one thing off a shelf picking another thing off the shelf reading them side by side um i i really appreciate it this is how ideas get shaped right first you have a theory uh, and then you hone it, you sharpen it over time. Over an increasing number of uh, promised tweets. That's right. And I I love the, I, I'm sorry, but I, I do feel like, I, I've read that before. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. It's, before, it's, I don't think I, I, don't think I ever processed like the fastest Mario sexual archetype it's in my brain so too good. much. It's so good. It never stops being funny to think of the new archetype being fastest Mario. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd have to. Uh, let ex I've always tried to be the the sloppiest Luigi. <laughs> That's old. Like That's old. That's Super busted. Mario Brothers Two Luigi when when he can't quite land, uh, he's always sort of slipping around. Yeah. He's got he's he's got a little fun slipping slide kind of thing, but he jumps mm -hmm. highest. That's that's the archetype you want. The Crazy one who jumps, jumps highest, but also slips a lot. That's a that's a that's a nineteen twenties bootstraps. It's good you're not on the dating market. This is—they're <laughs> all the fastest Mario now. I like. Do you find that this like? I, I know that. I, I would also say this was a troll, except that it has all 15 tweets. Which like, there's only mm -hmm. one way that you're getting there. It's uh, if you're a true believer. Um, I do find like one of the things that I've noticed in in your and Michael's analysis is that you make a you make a joke a lot about like there being one book and how like especially self-help books are just one book it's it's one book every time yeah there's also kind of a one book theory that is nascent in the political stuff you look at where it's like it's always outrage right it's outrage at like censorship like what 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 hath the left wrought um kind of like they went too far once and I used to be a leftist and now I'm not and blah 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 how much of that do you think is rooted in, like, sexual fear? Do we, is there is there is there something about like being worried about not? Is there like is there a sexual paranoia involved in some of the stuff you read, even if it's not quite there? Like I think in like Rich Dad Poor Dad, it's it's just on the surface, but um, in other yeah. stuff, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it's very easy to identify in like right wing online rhetoric yeah because i mean a lot um, of that is like no gf uh kind of stuff yeah. starts from it yeah yeah i i mean the you know the sort of basic formulation to me has always been really simple is these guys there's just like a subset of young men who when they witness women <laughs> they want to sleep with them but they can't. They don't really know how. Uh, and that makes them feel weak and powerless. And therefore, and then they lash out in these other ways. Um, they develop cultural critiques or they just put down women be, to try to sort of like reclaim some of that power. Yeah. Um, that basic ecosystem exists everywhere on the right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that's very true. And yeah, I mean, and I mean, even outside of the sort of gender context, right? You can see it with um, things like race and sort of different, takes different forms. But it's very easy to identify that on the right, where um, 
they want to believe that the left has sort of like done something to <laughs> sex and to gender dynamics that is impeding them. It's totally the trans um, panic. You're absolutely right. Like that's, that's it, totally it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's it's I think very. I don't know. It, it, it feels so surface level that like psychoanalyzing it too much uh, feels like a waste of time to some degree. Like, I, you know, I read a guy like that and I'm like, damn, that guy needs like one two year long healthy relationship with a woman and he will be a completely different person. <laughs> it reminds me of, a, of like a post someone found where he was like he's like complaining about how he doesn't like his new girlfriend as much as the one who left him a while ago. And the girl is going to find out that he posts he, if he she would leave him if he found out he posted on poll and like he can't say slurs around her anymore he can't say slurs at home on voice chat anymore cuz she's moving in and it's like <laughs> i only see this as an improvement in your life like if you don't say slurs right. for a couple of years maybe it'll like you'll you'll all of a sudden not need them anymore maybe you'll maybe you'll change right i i don't even like so many of these guys are just living a double life, right? Because they're such pieces of shit. You gotta be. Um, I mean, how could you? You can't, like, if, if you truly believe with the stuff, like, you're not going to be able to talk to anyone and be like, yep, I think that we need to enslave women uh, more. And they'll be like, wow, that's great. Like, let's, I, I think this was really fun. This Bumble date was right. great. Um, we need to have another one. I'll, I'll message you in the app. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's nice to me. The only thing you can say on a normal Bumble date to a woman politically is uh, I kind of like Joe Biden. Like that, any anything else is a terrible mistake. Um, it, it, it might be true, it might not be true, but that's the only thing that's ever going to be okay to say on a median Bumble date, <laughs> yes. in my view. So I'm not, yeah, if, I, if I've ever on a Bumble date, which I hope never to be, I hope, uh, mm. I've, I've, I've long said, my, my position has been, if, if whatever reason I find myself single again, I give up, I'm becoming a monk. It's the end of it's the end of that part of my life, um, and yeah. that's fine. But if I ever did find myself on a Bumble date again, I should not bring up my theories about how um, you know the 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 schism uh, of like three thirty eight was the beginning of like why women don't understand uh, subservience uh, correctly. <laughs> I I did a I. I this must have been like six years ago now, but I uh, made the classic mistake of. Um, Somehow bringing up Bernie v. Hillary, um, I don't know if I brought it up or just sort of fostered it. Um, I think I think she might have brought it up. Like, who'd you vote for in the primary? Oh, and that's already a bad question. I sh yeah, but I should have clocked it immediately and been like Hillary. You know, I, I just <laughs> it was a terrible mistake that I didn't. And um, I just remember having like this catastrophic date, which, like in in retrospect, is. Wild, like it. We probably agreed on like ninety-five percent of all policy. Sure, um, it was a different time. But it, it was a it was a different time. <laughs> um, Trump Trump was president, uh, and so we we needed to fight about the twenty sixteen <laughs> primary. Why agree on Trump um, when you could argue about a primary? Exactly, exactly. Uh, no, it's um, it's very dangerous for even a normal person. Is the point I'm sort of <laughs> hinting at. Um, and when you bring in the politics of these absolute psychos, it must just be like 
your brain is existing on two different planes, mm-hmm. right? You and you're just constantly shifting back and forth. Yeah, it's like it's like those weirdos you hear about, like on like you know whatever like true crime things that are uh, omnipresent, where it's like, yeah, you know, unbeknownst to his wife and kids, he was posting on this freakish forum, and it's like. Yeah, actually, it's probably like a lot of the people you see in green texts and 4chan right. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's very, right. very, very the, exciting. It's like the seedy underbelly of this man's life. <laughs> it's just it's like the, 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 the sort of like zoom in slow shot black and white of like a, a an Etruscan man as an avatar or something like that. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's just like he was very into marble statues. <laughs> I would love to see the main, like the, you know, sort of not mainstream media, but like your local Fox outlet trying to parse this man's obsession with like Roman architecture. <laughs> it would be so great. Like the, I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the, uh, the best contradictions I think in modern right wing thinking is like for years, the right has been pushing you know, you know, development and, you know, more stores and fewer unions and like, you know, big box stores are like a huge boon to the right. And now like a version of the right wing is like, when did we go from this to this? It'll be like the most ornate cathedral of all time. (laughs) You have to imagine like Republicans. Why doesn't Target have gargoyles? (laughs) There aren't any buttresses in this Walmart. Like this is a real problem. Looking, looking for some art de- deco uh, sort of effects in my local 7-Eleven, and I'm not getting it. <laughs> I did, I did appreciate the one that sort of like went fully around and made me think that maybe we're we're reaching the end of the potential of this particular uh, like evil archetype, which was someone saying like. You know, it was like, you know, uh, reclaiming modernity or whatever. And the thing that they were pining for was a guy on his morning commute with a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. I think, I think you could still do that. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've always just been sort of waiting for one of these guys to just be like, caring about architecture is obviously gay. So why are we doing this? Uh, and just blow up the whole movement, you know? <laughs> I like. I hope they. I hope it happens at some point. I have seen when people will tell them that the Roman uh, statues used to be painted in garish colors. Um, they mm-hmm. will claim that that's like a, a liberal psyop. So um, right. I, I'll be interested right. if one of them points that out. That says like you know we need to be focusing on like how ornate weapons used to be. Um, right. Why don't we have any more right. maces? <laughs> Or, I mean, swords used to be beautiful. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a fact. I, we've all seen the movies. We've all seen Aragorn uh, with his swords. They looked <laughs> a lot better than the, the crap we have now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really like I I really um, enjoy reading that type of reaction because at least on the surface level, it feels harmless. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's sort of. Um, oh, it's a super fascist. You know, I it's, mean, yeah, it's, it's it's fascist adjacent in reality. It's a little bit disquieting, but. Just watching the sort of manifestation of someone's cultural, like, loathing as, like, I don't like this architecture is so fucking funny. (laughs) It's so fucking good. Like, to have all of these complaints about the modern world and then what your brain spits out is like the buildings used to be cool, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it really it really is taking that like that whole obsession with like NPCs. And like taking it to a really weird position where it's like 
my house looks like the house an NPC would live in, as opposed to this house, which looks like where a main character would live. <laughs> it's like you've you've just completely lost the thread in a, in a like again, ultimately maybe really damaging way, but currently very funny way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's sort of parallel to a lot of damaging things. Yeah. Um, but if these guys dedicated their their politics to the architecture shit, I, it wouldn't really be that big of a problem, frankly. <laughs> Just like a whole lobby of people wanting to go back to like gothic architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's also like, I don't know, you live in Philly, so you, you're aware of that like style of new... Mm-hmm sort of townhouse that is like sort of half faux brick and then half like weird um like shipping container sort of vibes Awful. looks like shit and it does feel like npc housing yeah no, i see it that's I true say. it's sort of like it's sort of like what valve would put up if they had to like spam a bunch to get half-life 2 done um <laughs> yeah no it's that stuff is terrible i like i i recently went to northern liberties with my daughter for a rock climbing competition um, which is the most bougie sentence I've ever said out loud, which is really exciting. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, they had that around there, and I was just like, I was struck with it all of a sudden. I was like, this is like, this is awful. Like, who would want to live in these places? It's like, it's so hideous. Yeah, you're, you're like, you're you're in a quote unquote nice place, but you're also it feels like your cattle because you're so close to the street, you're so close together. It's like this just, why don't we have apartment buildings? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, and it also it feels like they're trying to sort of recreate the magic of like the old Philly row homes and um, and all that came with it. Mm -hmm. But the aesthetic is way worse, and like there's no community that it's being built around. So yeah, that's what's forgotten. It's like yeah, they drive through Chester and they're like, "What if this were nice?" (laughs) It's like, well, you've sort of missed like ten steps here. Right. You need to import Italians before you can do anything. I, I think we can both agree on that. Like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get any community without some gravy. And that's that's where it's at. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's yeah, God, those are awful. They're just terrible. Um, is the, I like how we immediately pivoted to the architecture that we hate. Yeah. <laughs> well that's it's progressive to hate those. Um, it's that's not true. reactionary. Yeah. The, I, I I only hate architecture leftistly, thank you very much. Uh, that's right. Because I'm the fastest Mario. Uh one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. I've kept you. I've kept you over an hour now, which is a coup on my part. I've, I've robbed you of your time. Um, is the architecture in New York still annoying, or is it is it cool now? Depends where you are. I'm in Queens, which is just getting um, Manhattanized oh, yeah. in, in parts, um, which is interesting. Like, there's a ton of shit springing up around me. Like, it's cool to have a Trader Joe's and a Target nearby. Um, but there is like, there is a lack of soul. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't feel like a community. It feels like a bunch of yuppies that were all placed into um, into one space. A convenience then, that feels like a threat. Right. Yeah. But you know, if you go to like, if you go to Brooklyn and all like the neighborhoods that have been around for a uh, hundred and change years, it's still pretty cool mm-hmm. and very New Yorky. Um, it's just that the the new development in like near near me and like Astoria, Long Island City, it's it's it's, it's a little bit creepy. Mm. I gotta be honest. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I haven't. I lived in New York in like two thousand eight, and like I guess I guess I moved in two thousand seven, and like the I found a cheap place in Park Slope that was which was lucky. Um, it was clearly run. 
like the guy who was my landlord was also clearly like involved in crime. There'd just be a lot of like mm-hmm. men wearing all black, just talking in his office for some reason when I'd drop off my rent. He was a nice guy. He yeah. liked me. Um, but yeah, even though that was very bougie and very rich of a neighborhood, it felt like there was a neighborhood bar and a neighborhood coffee shop and like there was a fruit cellar and stuff like that. It felt very idyllic. And yeah, I I don't know. There's something more honest, I guess, about the Trader Joe's and the Target. It's sort of like clearer and more open about what it's doing. But I can understand why that would be a little off-putting. It, yeah, I mean, like it, it's very convenient, um, but it's... It it feels like the um, feels like the symptom of a, a certain type of neighborhood, uh, one that's being <laughs> rapidly built. Um, and I can't I can't complain about it. This used to be all like warehouses. It's not like they knocked down a like an immigrant neighborhood and like they flushed down in yuppies and targets. Um, I don't think okay. I, this was when in Long Island City in like 2008, like 15 years ago, was. Wall-to-wall warehouses, okay. just warehouses, 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 mostly like abandoned. Um, so not a lot has been lost, um, but I wouldn't say that it's the coolest place in the not, city. Not right exactly now. Robert Moses, but we're yeah, right, we'll, we'll, right. we'll still we'll still mourn it. Um, well, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for talking with me. Um, yeah, man. I've mentioned him a couple times, but why don't you tell me tell people where they can find you and your podcasts in case they are curious. Yeah, I am on uh, 5 to 4, a podcast about the Supreme Court, and If Books Could Kill, a podcast about airport nonfiction. Mm, that's a good description, actually. I'm going to use that. Um, I would recommend I recommend anyone who wants to get into If Books Could Kill to listen to the Rich Dad, Poor Dad episode, which uh, probably remains one of the funniest hours of um, podcasting I've ever heard. Um, just, yeah, just great. Wonderful send up, um, and, and you can find Peter at the Law Boy. Um, it is, uh, yeah. I, I believe there's underscores. Yes, the, the underscore Law underscore Boy. Yeah. Um, I don't really be tweeting anymore. I'm mostly on Blue Sky at yeah. um, at Not a Lawyer. Okay, no underscore. Well, to follow you on Blue Sky, um, and I like. Well, I can't drop in your DMs on Blue Sky. I can only Not I yet. can only just at Not you. Um, yeah, but yeah, go follow follow Peter on Blue Sky too. Uh, Yeah, man. Well, uh, best of luck with everything, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts and and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.